Welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, America's premier barbecue radio show. Join your hosts, David Caius and Andy Groneman, as they sink their teeth into the finest grilling, smoking, and barbecue from coast to coast with the industry's leading pitmasters. Stay tuned for great tips, techniques, and products that will enhance your backyard experience by being a part of the Barbecue Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, where we up your barbecue game with tips and tricks from legends and leaders in the barbecue world. I'm your host, Andy Groneman, along with executive producer T-Bone and my co-host who has won the American Royal World Championship of Barbecue. He's at his barbecue on Inc. Magazine's barbecue bucket list and is at least in the top three faces for radio in this studio, Todd Johns. Oh, yeah, man. I I am the face of radio. (laughs) I'm here for the tips and the tricks by the way i came for both <laughs> wow well we are excited this week to have a new guest on and when we talk about guests from the barbecue world we're stretching to the other side of the world today we are going to be talking with pitmaster adam roberts he is an author a championship pitmaster he produces content including an award-winning documentary series beyond the flame he hails out of port Macquarie, new south wales in australia check out his website at www pitmasteradamroberts.com and in our fourth segment we are going to talk to Todd about rotisserie cooking what do you I mean what are we going to there's all kinds of stuff we could go yeah. with there oh man you got to pull the spit out every now and then you got to spin it to win it baby so <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right well it has been a crazy uh last week and I know we were both in completely different uh, parts of the globe as well. Yeah. I was in, uh, of all places, San Diego at Camp Pendleton, and I got to cook with Robert Irvine's team down there. Dude, so uh, jelly. So jelly. <laughs> it's You know what? It's really awesome. Uh, the Robert Irvine Foundation does all kinds of different uh, things for uh, the, the military community, whether it is... Uh, what we were doing, which is a uh, an event that was really about bringing all of the 5th Marines back together. So, you know, they call those Reuniting the Brave, but they do those type of events. They do all kinds of fundraising. They do grants for injured veterans and active service members and uh, got to cook for 750 of the 5th Marines. Uh, phenomenal event. Fun time. Uh, so if you get a chance, go check out the Robert Irvine Foundation. It's robertirvinefoundation.org. Click the old donate button. Check out what they're doing. You'll probably see some pictures of that event that we just did. And uh, you are, though, in a little bit cooler weather. <laughs> well, you know, I started out in Mexico. <laughs> so took a little vacation and uh, headed down to the, the Baja Peninsula and spent a week there just kicking back and chilling. And then I went to Fargo, North Dakota, where they had (laughs) the worst blizzard of the year. 20 inches in like an afternoon, right? It started out like, oh, we're probably going to get like 12, 8 to 12 inches. No, probably like 12 to 6. Then it was like, we're going to get 24 inches of snow. And uh, yeah, so uh, we get up there and then we couldn't fly out. So that was a barbecue (laughs) event. And um, we, there was about 20 of us pitmasters from all over the country, uh, flew into Fargo, North Dakota, 
And uh, that's where Shields Sporting Goods is at. And they have uh, Shields University where they come together and bring sales associates from all of their different uh, locations. And uh, they paired them up with us and we were their coach and they competed against each other with each one of us pitmasters. And you were doing uh, that in the snow. Oh, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think I saw one of the pictures where I think Smitty and... uh, Somebody were on a golf cart and there's like blizzard snow coming down and somebody was, I think it was probably Ferg was in front of you guys taking a picture through the snowstorm. So Smitty's from Phoenix, right? He's from Phoenix, Arizona. Like he shows up with a ball cap and a hoodie. Well, yeah, he's usually in flip-flops, too. Right, right. So I was like, this is not going to work. No, it was really cool because they, they just ate it up i mean like figuratively and literally they just the the sales associates were just you know so clamoring for for knowledge and were so excited and then we left and gave them instructions on uh how to do a rib cook and a pork cook so they did a little contest within themselves after we left too but yeah it was in the snow it was in a blizzard And I almost set a pit boss on fire. So nice. Yeah. Well, well, you know, going from Mexico to that, and you know, I was just sunny San Diego, so it wasn't it wasn't super warm, but it was great. Well, we're ready for our Ask Andy segment, which is brought to you this month by Plowboys Barbecue Hothead Barbecue Sauce, which of course you can get at all things barbecue. So just head to atbbq.com. And don't forget, you can get yourself a Barbecue Radio Network t-shirt if we use your question in the Ask Andy segment. And right now, we are even giving away what, T-Bone? We have autographed Barbecue Bibles by Stephen Reichlin. That's the 25th year. Is it autographed? Anniversary. Autographed. By Andy? No, 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 no. Good, good, good. good, good. (laughs) Well, it's like Stephen misses Colin. He should have been a doctor. I've I've seen his signature. That's right. (laughs) Well, give us a question, T-Bone. What do you have for us? What's the best way to crisp chicken skin on an offset cooker? I usually cook one hour at 225 to 150-ish internal, and then 325 for 15 to 20 minutes. Works on a pellet grill but I'm finding the skin a bit tough on the 750-gallon mm. yoder. I'm going to try pricking the skin to let fat out. I haven't tried baking powder or scraping the skin, the latter being way too much work for a larger production run. All right, so let's let's think about this for a second. And who, who asked that question, by the way? That was It was ben. me. It was me. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, because Todd's... Telegraphing, he has no idea. Okay, <laughs> that's Ben Pierce. Ben, excuse me, Ben Pierce from Warrensburg, Missouri. All right, Ben. Well, let me. You're you're wanting to do this in an offset, so and you mentioned it's a yoder. So a yoder is a bottom up cook. Um, the the heat comes in the bottom. It hits a diffuser plate, and as the holes in that diffuser plate get bigger, the heat moves across and comes up. So you get a kind of a nice even cook. If I am cooking on a pit like that. Uh, you're going to want to either a turn your chicken so that it is facing that and getting that radiant heat where it can crisp up or you've got your firebox right there. I would put the uh, chicken right in the firebox and you're going to have to watch it a little bit closer, but you'll get a really nice crispy skin uh, by doing that. 
and I don't know on your prep side, if you are doing anything ahead, I know you said that you weren't scraping the skins. I don't think you need to do that. But if you could leave your chicken open in the fridge the night before and let it kind of air dry, let that skin get really nice and dry in the fridge, that will uh, pay you dividends when you're trying to get that crispy skin when you cook for your events. Now, your other option, if you don't want rubbery skin, is to go completely the opposite direction. And instead of going for just a crispy skin, go for a soft bite-through skin. And you can do that by wrapping that chicken in a pan and giving it that last 30 minutes under the heat, but allowing it to steam. And it'll steam the skin soft so that it bites through really nice. Todd, I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, no, completely. Now, the other thing... Um, I don't know. Did he mention like um, poking holes in it, like a jacquard? He said he might like try and poke holes for fat <clears throat> so, to release. So we call that ABC skin already been chewed. <laughs> and so it's already perforated. So, you know, that kind of helps that bite through as well. And so this is a competition question, you know, because that's what they're looking for is that crispy bite through skin and not some rubbery uh, barbecue skin. So. Uh, yeah, I think all of your tips are good, and a jacquard, I think, is a, a great uh, option, too. Yeah, ABC already bit through. Yeah, it, it definitely through. jumps in great. What's the deal with uh, baking powder? It's a, it'll dry the skin. It'll it'll wick moisture and, and, ah, okay. and also help break it down, right? And you put it on top, or you lift it and put it, get it in on under? On top. You put okay. it on top of the skin and let it uh, start to break that skin down, and then you give it your rinse, put your seasoning on, do all of that. But I like to just dry the skin first. Well, thank you, Ben Pierce from Warrensburg for your question. We're going to get a t-shirt and a book headed your way. And coming up next, we're going to be talking with Pitmaster Adam Roberts, Grand Champion Pitmaster, author and content creator. We will dig it in some great flavors and techniques. Check out his website at www.pitmasteradamroberts.com. Adam Roberts, our Pitmaster, coming up next right here on Barbecue Radio Network. You see, at Strickland, the customer comes first. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. You have a better recipe for when you grill. Better ingredients, better cuts of meat, and because you're using a grill from Holstein Manufacturing, well, a better grill. You take grilling seriously, and at Holstein Manufacturing, we make a serious grill. Find your new grill now at HolsteinMFG.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. Holstein Manufacturing, we build the grill. Welcome back to the award-winning Barbecue Radio Network. I'm Andy Groneman, along with T-Bone, our executive producer, and my co-host, Plowboy's own Todd Johns. Our guest this week is a new guest, and he is all the way from Port Macquarie in New South Wales, Australia, pitmaster Adam Roberts. Besides being a championship pitmaster, Adam is a best-selling author for his book, Ribs and Sides, as well as his 2021 Barbecue Like a Boss, which was a top five barbecue book of the year. As a content creator, you can see him behind documentaries like Beyond the Flame and video-driven masterclasses. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you on. So before we jump too far into the weeds on flavors, I wanted to talk 
kind of quickly to you about your barbecue journey. I know you've spoken about it on video before and in interviews, but it, it, it really seems to me that it kind of parallels a little bit of what Todd and I have experienced. We, you know, we've been doing this for 20 plus years and uh, I just wanted to get your kind of take on it and share that with the readers. Give us a little bit of your barbecue history. Yeah, so my barbecue history started back in 2012, so a bit over 10 years ago. I'd, I'd been cooking, um, I guess, in kitchens, catering, uh, worked in a chicken shop for, for many years before, but uh, I got my first food truck off the back of a trip to the US. So I was really inspired by the New York-style street food. So I set up my own food truck here in Port Macquarie, Australia, and a good buddy of mine, Jay Beaumont, had a, a real desire to bring low and slow barbecue to Australia. Like we'd, we'd been to the US before and really fell in love with that style of cooking. So it kicked off around that 2013, 2014. Some in your life? All we did Check is we put together Australia's first low and slow barbecue like. contest uh, right here in Port Macquarie. So that attracted teams from all over Australia and even from New Zealand who had never really experienced uh, cooking up over wood fire or grills in a competition format before. But we drew inspiration from you guys over in the States and really, uh, really focused on trying to bring our own flavor and style to that style of cooking as well. So, you know, that was about 10 years ago. And since then, um, we've had so many different festivals, food trucks, restaurants pop up using the low and slow method. So it's been a it's been a 10 year journey to this point, but it's been uh, it's been an amazing ride. That's for sure. Yeah, I imagine all of the uh, people you've met along the way and and the uh, just the experiences have, have created kind of a, a whole uh, subgenre of their own for you. Yeah, that's right. So uh, in recent years, we've seen so many of our competitors come through the ranks, win the trophies, start their own restaurant or food truck, get their own rubs together, build their own source profiles and do do really well with those, but sell them to a broader audience. So the scene over here in Australia has just grown exponentially over the last 10 years. And, and it really comes back to that first barbecue contest in Port Macquarie, uh, which, uh, which at the time, it was the biggest barbecue festival outside of the US. Um, we had 20 teams compete the year after was 44. Then we got nearly 100 teams in its third year, which really put us on the map as far as competition barbecue right here in Australia. Yeah, and I I'm, I remember the the first ones of those and uh, the stories coming out of there about uh, how much fun everybody was having because I remember uh, the first time I was over and it wasn't really a contest format like what you guys were doing but there was the Redhead Barbecue Festival in St Kilda and uh, J- Jess Priles and I and uh, I think uh, Chris. Urban Griller were the judges, and it was a very small contest, but it was kind of the first foray into that that we'd seen floating around out there. And I think, you know, like you said, you guys put together the Australasian Barbecue Alliance, and it just kind of blossomed and and took off from there. Uh, pretty amazing to see uh, to see what happened with any of that. Yeah, it sounds like you know you were the you were the match that lit the fire. So that's really awesome. How? Uh I'm curious to know, like, how much of a learning curve was it um, from, you know, the the experience you had cooking before kind of shifting to a low and slow American style barbecue? Yeah, look, I've got I've got one story that the wife just still lays into me on. She's uh, she still never forget the time that I blew up our oven in the kitchen. I was trying to cook <laughs> four whole pork butts in the in the kitchen <laughs> stove in the oven, uh, and she said, "You've got to find a better way." And I said, "Oh, look, I think I've got something. It's going to cost me a few dollars, but I need to buy a smoker and and I'll get out of your kitchen. 
I'll get out in the yard and I'll cook up these pork butts because I was selling pulled pork sliders uh, out of my food truck and it was a little ahead of its time here in Australia. There wasn't too many people that knew what that was. They sort of, sort of thought I was doing something quite weird to the pigs. But at the end of the day, the uh, the inside kitchen experience could only get you so far. But taking it outside into the barbecue, it's just a totally different experience, different experience. As you guys know, you get the bark, you get the smoke, you get the flavor, and just that tenderness that you can't get in any other way. Probably, probably something you know that they hadn't experienced like that before, and. I bet they came clamoring for it once they kind of figured it out, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It was probably one of the most popular food trucks for quite a while. did festivals, events, and that's kind of how we got into the barbecue festivals because I'd been to a lot of festivals and my buddy Jade uh, done a lot of promotions for people running their own festivals. So we just, we just combined experience and and brought in Jess as well because as you highlighted, Andy, the uh, the early days, there was very few people who knew what was going on with, with low and slow here in Australia. So we just pulled anyone with any knowledge at all. And and those guys really set up the whole scene as well. So, you know, a big tribute to you guys for coming out and, and help supporting. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was an amazing experience. And since then, you've gone on and you've got, you know, video-driven masterclasses now. You've got some really great content out there. And uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting uh, in your Get Real series uh, you did some kangaroo steaks and really went kind of out into the country, if you will. And talk a little bit about some of those local flavors and how those are now melding and, and becoming kind of a fusion play with, you know, low and slow barbecue and, and grilling in general. Yeah, I've always said barbecue has been around for thousands of years and it's constantly evolving. And what we see here is we have our Indigenous uh, Aboriginal people here in Australia who've been cooking over fire for, for many years and using a lot of the ingredients that you'll find in the Aussie outback or the Aussie bush and putting those flavours onto the meat. Now, kangaroo, yeah, sure, it's uh, part of our coat of arms, it's part of our culture, but we also eat kangaroo as well. So for us, it's, it's bringing the flavours from the bush and from the land and, and applying it to a native animal as well. So it's as primitive as it can get. Uh, and I really just enjoyed spending the whole day with an Aboriginal chef who's, who's a little ahead of his time as well, just trying to bring those bush ingredients into a mainstream audience um, and just spending the day with him, just cooking up. We captured it on video. Uh, but some of those flavors are just so pronounced that it's just a totally different barbecue experience. And what kind of, uh, from a, the perspective of those flavors and the woods that you use and all of that, what, what's some of the big differences in, in, like, in like 30 seconds? Give me the top three differences. Yeah, look, I think straight up the flavor of the meat is so unique. It's it's gamey, but it's it's a little like venison mixed with a bit of lamb and a bit of beef. So the, the, the flavor of the meat itself is really quite unique. And then you bring in the pepperberry, uh, the salt bush, and a range of different flavors that you find here, which are really, really punchy. And so combining all those flavors together, but then the cook process, you've got to make sure you nail that process. And, uh, and doing that reverse sear method is certainly one of the better ways of doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Reverse sear is. So, of course, we are talking with Adam Roberts. Check out his website, which is www.pitmasteradamroberts.com. And when we come back with Adam, we are going to talk about the best way to use a Texas crutch. But we're going to twist that and put that on lamb shoulder. Check out Adam's website at pitmasteradamroberts.com. Talking to Adam Roberts more next right here on Barbecue Radio. Network.
When it comes to barbecue, every pitmaster should start with the best beef and pork possible. That's why the top-rated barbecue restaurants from Texas to North Carolina choose Creekstone Farms premium Black Angus beef and all-natural Duroc heritage pork. Go to shop.creekstonefarms.com and get the same briskets, burgers, ribs, and steaks served around the country, delivered right to your door. Use promo code RADIO and get 10% off your entire order. Welcome back to Barbecue Radio Network with my co-host, pitmaster extraordinaire Todd Johns, and our executive producer, T-Bone. I'm Andy Groneman, and we are back talking with Adam Roberts. He's a pitmaster, author, and a barbecue ambassador. He represents brands like Kingsford and Firehawk Grills. He co-founded the Australasian Barbecue Alliance in 2014 and the New Zealand Barbecue Alliance in 2017. He's led them through 2021, and now he's put his focus on some new and exciting content and classes which is what we were just talking about and i kind of want to jump right back in there like with that kangaroo we you when we were headed to break uh we were talking about reverse searing let's kind of pick it up right there adam yeah so the kangaroo it's it's quite a lean uh meat um and and the best muscles to use for for cook-ups particularly on the grill will be your loin muscles or your back strap and right at the top of the tail you've got some really nice sort of um, you know, unhindered muscles there that you can just get a beautiful slice out of. So one of the other things to really keep note of, it, it's a bit like venison. There is a bit of blood uh, in, in the meat itself. Um, so what you want to do is just pat that dry, then apply a low, light coating of, of oil uh, and then just get into your seasoning from there. But the biggest thing here is you just want to cook it real gentle or real hot and fast because it is so lean. You've only got a couple of options there. There's not a lot of fatty tissue in there that's going to get in the way so you want to treat it real gentle so for me i think reverse searing is probably the best way to go so i'm just going to put it on a low heat in the smoker and then bring it up to about rare or even blue uh and then i might apply another light coat of seasoning and i'm going to flash it off over a a flame that really really gives it a good sear just to seal that in but the big thing with kangaroo you want to make sure you drain some of that that liquid out at the end as well to really bring that flavor back to the meat rather than tasting blood or anything else. So for me, I'm going to rest it for a little while and make sure you drain most of that liquid. And then you're just going to get the most beautiful flavor and bite that you can get with a piece of kangaroo. So you're going to, you're going to drain right at that point that uh, right before you're going to flash and get that final sear. I'll I'll probably flash straight after the smoking and then just let it rest off at the end. And and it's perfectly eaten that sort of room temp. Just let it come down a little bit and relax and drain off a lot of that liquid and then you're good to slice. And then that texture really is almost filet-like. It is exactly like filet. It's just so soft, so tender. There's absolutely no sort of uh, toughness to it whatsoever. And the bite is really clean and soft. What's your preparation like? Are you uh, opposed to like brining it or marinating? Uh, maybe some of that brine would push some of the blood out as well, or is that going to really overpower it? Or do you just stick with dry seasoning? Yeah, look, for me, the, the kangaroo flavor of the meat itself is really quite pronounced. So you're not going to need a lot of extra help when it comes to flavors, um, marinades or injections or anything like that. So for me, it's just real natural because it's got so much natural flavor. 
with your seasoning, you just want to put a bit on there just to balance it out. So just think, you know, with, with your seafood, let's say down in Alabama, you've mm. got the taste of the bayou. You want to chuck some Cajun in there, just really balance that out. So with kangaroo, we want to add some savory, some salt, some pepper, maybe even some bush tomato, uh, and just really just bring out that sort of natural savory uh, flavor to the kangaroo. But definitely no brining, no marinades because it will burn. You don't have a lot of time to cook these things. Um, so it's really a quick, hot and fast sort of dish. Uh, reverse searing again, you can do that fairly quickly. Well, and one of the one of the favorite dishes that that I had, one of the favorite meats I had when I've been over is the lamb. Australian lamb is amazing, and I know that you know there can be entire uh, wars fought between who has better <laughs> lamb, New Zealand or Australia. And and I'm not I'm not saying I don't like the kiwis, but. Uh, the Australian lamb is pretty amazing when you find some of that Suffolk beautiful uh, lamb that's raised for eating. And you guys are the masters of fusion because you're so close to Asia, because you've got uh, all of the different influences. Uh, give me a little uh, take on what you would do with a with a lamb shoulder. So a lamb shoulder, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the butcher for probably a square cut lamb shoulder. So take the shank off. I'm going to take the neck off. I'm going to have a whole probably two or three kilo uh, lamb shoulder. Now with that, I'm going to just take the top layer of skin off. Some, some of that skin can be, you can crisp it up if you're going to do a roast, but if you're doing low and slow, and particularly the Texas crutch or wrapping as we know it here in Australia. So what I'm going to do is just take some of that hard fat, uh, just leave maybe a quarter inch of, of, of white fat around the, the lamb shoulder if I can. Then I'm going to just season that up. So I'm going to give it a good coat of seasoning and I'm going to use salt, pepper, a little bit of rosemary, garlic, thyme, uh, maybe even a bit of mustard powder, garlic powder uh, if I've got it. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to put that on the smoker. I'm going to low and slow that till it reaches 165 Fahrenheit internal. And by that stage, you'll just start to see some of this fat dripping. Now, the lamb shoulder itself has got plenty of muscles in there. And it's got plenty of fat around it. Lamb is pretty fatty here in Australia. They, they eat well. Um, you know, they're, they're really plump. So for us, we want to drain a little bit of that fat off, but not too much where it dries out because, again, some of those muscles can be a little lean. So when I'm wrapping that, I'm making sure that I don't have any holes anywhere and it's just going for a full steam back in the, in the smoker. But then I'll pull that off about 210 Fahrenheit. You open the foil and it just falls apart. So yeah, there's a couple of bone structures in the in the top of the shoulder there. So you just pull the meat away and you've got beautiful, savory, pulled lamb ready to eat. Are you going to put any braising liquid in the wrap or just let the natural juices come out? I, I really try and keep it simple. And this is something I teach people in classes. The, the less processes, the better. If you're doing it the right way, so you've got the right smoke, you've got the right cut, you've got the right seasoning, you've got the right process, you don't need to add too many more elements in there. So for me... It's using the natural liquids and the fats of the of the cut of meat uh, to really influence the flavor and really just creating your bark around that. Um, what I may do if I'm going to serve it a little later is add a little bit of mint sauce mixed with barbecue sauce just to give it an extra sort of savory, minty flavor, and that will keep it moist as well for a longer period of time. And that's the only time I'll add liquid is right at the end just to complement and glaze, and I call it a barbecue wash which basically just you mix into the pulled meat uh, ready to serve. And what do you, what's your normal timeline, like total cook time on that? Cause obviously here we do a lot of pork shoulder and that can be an eight to 10 hour cook, but what's, what's that lamb shoulder usually take? 
Yeah, because it's quite small, you've got a few bones in there, that'll that'll heat the, heat the center up a little bit quicker. So two to three kilo lamb shoulder, I'm, I'm aiming somewhere around the five to seven hour window, depending on how hot the smoker is. With lamb, I like to crank it up to about 300 Fahrenheit, just get it going, render some of that fat before wrapping. So in that case, I'm probably looking at about five hours total for, for you know three to five kilo shoulder, two what, to three what, kilos. What kind of wood? Normal. What kind of wood are you using to smoke with? So in Australia, we have a natural hardwood called iron bark, and that's readily available. So you know, like all all hardwoods, um, I, I try and teach people just just to use the the woods that are uh, available closest to you. Um, so for Australians, iron bark. There's also one called red gum. And if you're in the tropics up in North Queensland, a black wattle has a bit of a floral flavor to it as well. But they're all hardwoods that you can find up and along the coast here in Australia. Yeah, iron bark was was typically what we went with. And it, it has a great flavor. I would say it, it falls a little bit heavier than hickory. So if you burn a nice small hot fire, you get a really clean, uh, rich smoke flavor out of it. Um, it's not quite as, as heavy as, say, a mesquite, right, but right. it's definitely, I would say, north of Hickory. I don't know what your take is, Adam, but... Yeah, definitely. And and I think the longer you season it, the, the cleaner it becomes. So, for me, I'm seasoning or letting the wood dry out under cover for six to 12 months. Oh, wow. And I just keep I just keep recycling. You know, I, I get a load and I push it off to the right and then I'll take the ones from the left and I'll just keep shifting it over. So, over a period of time, I'm just you know, moving through the wood stacks. Um, but six to 12 months, you'll get a really hot and a really clean burn where the smoke won't be very pronounced at all, but you'll get a beautiful color and uh, a beautiful bark on there. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Adam. Don't forget to head on over to pitmasteradamroberts.com. Register there to stay up to date. Go to Facebook and check out the series Beyond the Flame, as well as his masterclass, which you can get to from www.pitmasteradamroberts.com. Thanks again, Adam. And coming up, we're going to be talking with Todd, and we're going to talk a little bit about rotisserie cooking. And we're going to do that next right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Barbecue Radio Network is heard on radio stations from Hawaii to Florida. If you have a business centered around barbecue or the backyard lifestyle, please consider advertising with us. Contact us through our Facebook page or website at bbqradionetwork.com. Welcome back to Todd and Andy here on Barbecue Radio Network. You know, man, I just love talking with uh, with Adam because I remember back in those early days that he was talking about over there, and I, I was lucky enough to go over and do some of that initial training. And think about, you know, how long we've had competition barbecue and all of that here, Todd. And yeah. just in general, they're so early in the process. Right, right. For for him to, you know, uh, they were the match that lit the fire and, uh, you know, all the stuff that they were doing 10, 12 years ago. And um, I mean, look what it's become. I love these shows, Andy, where we get to talk with people that are doing things just off the beaten path, right? From what we're used to. Yeah. So the, the kangaroo and, 
um, you know, Craig Verhage doing Alligator and just all these things I just find really fascinating because it really is off the beaten path for us. I mean, we're briskets and ribs and pork butts and and all that. Yeah, it's great to see kind of where you can go with it and... You know, it's it's interesting because you go watch his videos and they definitely have a bent towards all of their take and the woods and the flavors and everything that are are there. And it's it's fun to go look at that. And, you know, we didn't even have access to any of that. There wasn't a YouTube or any of that when when we were kind of starting our barbecue journey, you had to go to an event because there wasn't a resource and even. You know, eventually we had bulletin boards on the internet. Right. The old bar- shout out to my, the barbecue brethren, right? Right, barbecue brethren. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my uh, first class was just get your butt handed to you at a contest for yeah. about five years, you know, and that's that's how you learned. Um, but I, I I just you know these um, it, it harkens back to the things that got me started, the Stephen Reichlin barbecue bible and. And, you know, reading and listening to his world travels, and it really is uh, a world thing. You know, it's a world of cuisine, and the American barbecue is something a little bit different, and that's kind of our, our style on it. But like like Adam said, we've been cooking over fire for eons. And the, the thing that's interesting to me is they, from a, uh, I guess you could say, learning curve perspective or, you know, curve of bringing it to a competition level you know we were running around in easy ups and cooking out of the back of our trucks and doing all of that for ages and ages and ages uh and those guys you know started doing that and they didn't have big spots to cook in so mm-hmm. it reminded me of like oh my gosh this yeah. is where we were 20 years ago but very quickly they've got the dollars to the events they've had and of course COVID happened but in general like they were putting on what i would call world-class barbecue events and they just had meat stock uh in melbourne which is an awesome food and meat festival uh but their barbecue contest like skipped five or ten years in the middle there they got to where we've been very quick i mean gosh think about i mean barbecue contests or really just barbecue in general. I mean, it's been going on for decades, but even barbecue contests, I mean, you're a second generation of that, right? Yeah. yeah. And your, and your daughters are third generation. So (laughs) that's right. So yeah, it's, you know, they had a, they had a very steep, quick learning curve, whereas it was just kind of something that we fell into and that we did and that we learned as we went along. So it is really, really astonishing the mark that they've put on the world barbecue scene in such a short period of time. And and I think Adam's right. The fact that people are paying attention to it and it's not something you just stumble into there that there's so much more growth that's going to come. It's going to be neat to see what happens in the next five years. There's going to be a lot more people cooking in the backyard for sure. Oh yeah. So it's time now for our all things barbecue product spotlight and their website is atbbq.com. All Things Barbecue has all the tools and accessories you need to take your barbecue to the next level, and you will have your neighbors jump in the fence to get a taste. So get fired up and get the supplies to do it all at All Things Barbecue over at atbbq.com. Now, Todd, what do you have to share with us for a product? Uh, All right, Andy, get your checkbook out. This one's going to be a little more on the steeper side, but, um, you know, we're both fans of pellet pellet grills um the the, the yoder 480 or the 640 um i have a 640 do you have a 640 i have a 640 
All right, you probably have like four eighty, <laughs> even ones that yeah, I haven't even named yet, like a five twenty seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they have come out with a pizza oven, and you know me and pizza, like it's it's maybe my first love. So they have this appliance that you um, put into your pellet grill, and you get like this wood hearth kind of dome. Uh, pizza oven. Uh, so it's the uh, wood fired oven, a uh, Yoder Smokers wood fired oven. It's $499, but that is a lot cheaper than going buying a standalone. And it's, you know, just an, it's just an add on. And accessory. I know, I know we're going to be talking about rotisserie cooking here in a minute, but since you brought up that oven, you know, my, probably my favorite thing that I've cooked in it so far is a chicken. A spatchcock. Uh, I thought you were going to say steak. No, uh, I haven't. This chicken, I was shocked at how good it came out. Well, huh. so you know, Joe told me he's like, you know, that that cooking a chick, a spatchcock bird in there can turn out amazing. And you get the fire that lips into the dome, right? Yeah. So you really do get that nice browning yeah. on the top. And we started that thing at three hundred and let it cook for about 30, 40 minutes, and then cranked it. And it had the most beautiful, crispy skin, and it was so moist and delicious and cooked in, you know, under an hour. And we've got a whole bird that, you know, you can, if you're doing any kind of lunch building and menu planning and like that is the, right. the cheapest protein you can do. And it cooked it amazing. So well, if only we had some kangaroo, if only we had some kangaroo. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> well, so. That is awesome. So check out their website at atbbq.com and go ahead and, you know, stroke the check, pick up a Yoder pizza oven. You won't regret it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. But rotisserie cooking, let's get into that. Like that is going to be uh, a great topic. So where, where are you headed, Todd? What's the thought so, there? Well, you know, so there's, I guess, in my mind, a couple different styles of rotisserie cooking there's the you know flat racks that go around uh on a carousel like a like a like fast eddy swisher chicken cooker. oh yeah swisher <laughs> chicken cookers uh, so you know like a fast eddy 300 500 700 or a old hickory, old hickory yeah. yeah so you know those i've jet had masters yeah jed masters so you know i've had those for years and and used them in the restaurants and there's just that that self basting or you know everything's basting on everything and you're moving into cool spots and hot spots and everything just cooks more evenly um so there's that kind of style of rotisserie but then there's the spit right where it's just this rod that's spinning around with a motor and uh uh you know that's what i want to that's kind of on my list for this year. I think I'm going to start cooking a few more burgers and and getting the spit out and uh, spinning some pork loins or uh, I don't know. I you know my one Give of my favorite ideas, Andy. one of my favorite things to cook on a rotisserie is a prime rib. Yeah, a bone in prime rib. Um, you get this amazing crust. That fat is dripping. Now I will tell you, you got to make sure that. Your grill is clean when you start that and that you have a place for that fat to go. I used a rotisserie on an old gas grill once that I'd kind of jerry-rigged together, and I caught the the grill on fire. Like, I melted the lid of the grill (laughs) because I shut the lid and the rotisserie died. The motor stopped. 
and it stopped fat cap down and that thing burnt yeah, up like an Olympic torch. <laughs> so yeah, so you gotta watch it a little bit, but yeah, like a, a pork loin or a porchetta. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I've porchetta. Porchetta is probably my favorite yeah, thing to too. cook on that, and I do that on the hasty. Yeah, and so you know, with that spinning, it's kind of the same thing as the carousel type, but you know, it's it's rotating, so you're getting this even cooking in a in a hot spot, out of a, out of a hot spot, into a cool spot. You've got the juices kind of staying in equilibrium inside the cut of meat too, and um, I haven't done any spit cooking in years, so that's that's on my list for this summer. Yeah, it's you're definitely going to have fun with that. I'll have to come over and do some yeah. QA though. I don't know if I can let you do that all by yourself. <laughs> well, I got, I got the new Napoleon gas grill, so I'm actually kind of doing some gas and that grill thing cooking. Came which, uh, with the rotis, right? Yeah, so yeah, those yeah. are designed to have one used on it so yeah that'll be awesome i can't wait to see you play with that yeah i'm not gonna let you touch it though because apparently you'll set it on fire so (laughs) (laughs) it's off limits there is that well we want to thank adam roberts again for being on the show check him out at pitmasteradamroberts.com and then don't forget to head on over to all things barbecue at atbbq.com and pick up our sauce of the month Plowboy's Hothead Barbecue Sauce. And we'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week. Next week, we are going to bring you Jess Priles. Now, Jess Priles is also an Australian, but she's a transplant to Austin. And we're going to have more great barbecue tips and tricks. For T-Bone, Todd, and myself, thanks for tuning in. We'll keep the pits lit right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Check out Barbecue Radio Network on Facebook. Give us a like. 